Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. And I think Jesus wants to make sure that we don't carry into this Christian experience that kind of a mentality where, well, yeah, we could pass the test. We can tell you what chapter 20 is about or what chapter 19 was about. He wants us to actually learn the information and then implement it in the way we live and the way we think and the decisions we make. Today we are in Matthew chapter 20. In a message entitled A Faithful Servant, we are covering this chapter in its entirety. Starting with the parable of the workers in the vineyard and then moving through the rest of the chapter, we learn our Lord's heart as it pertains to serving. And if we truly want to be made like Jesus, we must become servants ourselves. Matthew 20, A Faithful Servant. Back in the early days of the Calvary Chapel movement, we sang a song that went like this, Make me like you, Lord, make me like you. You are a servant, make me one too. Lord, I am willing, do what you must do to make me like you, Lord, make me like you. Now, I love the song. I love the melody. I just have fond memories of it. We do it from time to time. But the only problem I really have with that song is, well, there were lots of times when I was singing it where I knew in my heart, well, make me like you, yes, but that servant thing, I'm not really sure. And make me like you, but do I have to suffer in the process and make me like you as long as there's no persecution or trial or tribulation involved in that making me like you, Lord. You see, if we were totally honest, we'd say, make me like you, Lord, make me like you. I don't want to suffer or serve. I just want to be with you. But in order to be like him, we need to, well, we're going to have to serve. Why? Because our Lord is, in fact, a servant. The heart of our passage today, and we're looking at the entire chapter, you're going to see that's relatively easy. In fact, the more ground we cover, the shorter the study. So, uh, you know, if you come to a study on Wednesday night and I say two chapters, you can say, well, that's good. That'll be 40 minutes instead of 60. But it just works out that way. But, but I want you to look down at verse 25 of chapter 20, because this is the heart of the message today. Jesus called him to himself, his disciples that is, and said, You know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Now, these are commands from our Lord, our Savior. And then note his example, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. If you... And I wouldn't be surprised if there weren't a lot of you are having a little bit of a deja vu experience. You're thinking, wait a minute, servanthood, I think I've been here before. Yeah, we really haven't. And here's what I'm thinking. The Lord knowing us so well, knowing that though we saw this earlier on and saw it again and we'll see it again and oh, it'll come up again. Why does he do that? Well, he knows that we have a tendency to forget. I'm fully convinced if I were going to school today, I would be diagnosed with one of the many things that children are commonly diagnosed with, ADD, ADHD, or both, and a combination of everything else out there. They'd be medicating me, absolutely. 
because I was a kid that just barely could pay attention in school. And I studied hard and got decent grades, at least in the early years. But but pretty much the goal was just to pass the test. And as soon as the test was passed, well, didn't need that information anymore. I already passed the test. And I think Jesus wants to make sure that we don't carry into this Christian experience that kind of a mentality where, well, yeah, we could pass the test. We can tell you what chapter 20 is about or what chapter 19 was about. He wants us to actually learn the information and then implement it in the way we live and the way we think and the decisions we make. Now, the last chapter, our last study, concluded with these words, and it's a bit of a paradox. Many who are first will be last. In the last first, the context of that statement had been, well, the disciples listening to Jesus as he interacted with a rich young ruler. And that rich young ruler wanted to know what good thing he could do or what he could give or what he could contribute, well, to gain everlasting life. And when it got right down to it, Jesus said, well, all I want from you is I want you to sell all you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And you will have great treasures in heaven. But the rich young ruler went away sorrowful. The lesson to the disciples is, hey, here's a guy who appears to be first, to be preeminent. He's got youth, he's got power, he's got prestige, he's got all the stuff, all the toys. But when it comes right down to it, he'll end up last. Why? Because he was trying to hang on and hold on to the temporary when God had fitted him and planned for him a wonderful eternity. A spiritual reality. And so he tells his disciples, listen, everyone who's left, fathers or mothers or sisters or brothers or houses or lands or whatever, for my sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit everlasting life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. He starts chapter 20, or we start chapter 20, with an illustration of this point, the kingdom of heaven, he says, is like a landowner who went out very early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And when he agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard and went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go out into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. And they went. And he went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard and whatever is right you will receive. Now, we'll pause there for a moment and, and uh, just kind of put this in context. In, in the next few moments, we will learn four things or get four principles that, well, we can latch on to them today that should help us become faithful servants for our Lord. Uh, the scene is set as this guy has, well, he's got fields. He has a need. So he goes out 6 a.m. That would be this first group. He gathers laborers unto himself, and, and he has them agree with him for a denarius a day. Now, a denarius, that was a living wage in that day. Lots of people made less, and many people made more, but it was a fair and living wage. And so, basically, he says, hey, I need your, your uh, 
you to come out and work the field. They're like, that'd be great. And then, uh, or work the vineyard. And they're, they're like, fine. And he says, denarius for the day, fine. So they strike a deal. They go out and they begin to labor. Three hours later, 9 a.m., he goes and he finds some guys. Obviously, the job wasn't going to get done with just those few or however many he hired. So he finds some guys and says, hey, whatever's right, I'll pay you. Just go on out and work. And they go out and work. Same thing three hours later at noon, then again at three. And then even up to 5 p.m., he finds a group of guys and they're saying, well, nobody hired us. So he's like, all right, well, I'll hire you. And in every case except the first, he says, I'll just give you whatever's right. Now, we latch on to that because it becomes important. Now, there's a couple side notes here, side issues, probably not that important, but a working day in that day, at least for the guys first hired, it was a 12-hour day, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So if you work somewhere and you're working nine hours or 10 hours, you probably still have an hour lunch, so that brings you back down to eight and probably got a break. That brings you down to seven and a half. And, but anyway... 12-hour days in that day, and at least for some of these guys. And, and the first principle that we find or that we want to apply is that as those employed by others, we want to do whatever our employer tells us to do. This guy hired them to work out in, in the uh, vineyard, and so uh, they go into the vineyard. The job was to work. The pay was already settled. So first principle is do whatever your employer tells you to do. Now, so no one has to ask me after we'll deal with an issue that will in fact come up. And that is, well, what do I do if my employer wants me to do something unethical or uh, illegal or immoral? Well, in that case, I have a good tip for you. Just tell them no. Well, you don't know my employer. Some might be thinking, you know, what if he fires me? Well, then you don't have to work for him anymore. Who wants to work for someone that wants you to do something unethical, illegal or immoral? And if you're worried about how you'll get another job, trust the Lord, you'll get another job. But the bottom line is, most of the time when we're asked to do stuff at work and we don't want to do it, it's just because we'd rather not, not because it's unethical or illegal or immoral. And so whatever the job is, whatever they require of you, well, you're to do it. Why? Because we as Christians aren't just serving our employer, we're serving the Lord. We're told to do all things as unto the Lord. And so if I go out and you go out, and we have a desire to be good witnesses, we have a desire to be witnessing, sharing our faith, well, people are first going to examine our lives, and perhaps one of the best contexts for that examination is the workplace. Because if we're diligent, if we're faithful, if we're honest, if we're people of integrity, people are going to take note of that. And so, first thing that we want to make sure we do as faithful servants is we want to do all as unto the Lord. That means we're going to do whatever we're employed to do. Now, the second thing is, well, we want to make sure that we don't suppose we deserve more than than we've agreed on. And, and that's the second principle. Don't suppose you deserve more than you agreed on. And, and there in verse 10, we read, well, we back up a little bit. Let's see, I think we got down to about verse 7. When evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers, give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first, and when those who came, who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed they would have received more. See, that's the second principle. Don't suppose you deserve more than you've agreed 
to work for. Now, I, I got to admit that if I were in that line and I saw some guys and realized, hey, they only worked one hour and they got a denarius, I'd think, man, he was just joking about the 12 hours for a denarius. I mean, let's see, one hour for a denarius? I'm, I'm going to probably get, well, I don't know, man, probably get 12 denarius. I'll get 12 days pay for my work. I mean, I, I bore the day's heat and, and the day's labor. And, and, and so that's what's going on here. These guys are supposing they would receive more. And that's the very word he uses. And then it says, they like rise, like wise. They could have like rise, but since it's not a word, they likewise received a denarius. And then here's the third principle. If you're going to be a faithful servant, not only do you do what you're employed to do, not only do you make sure you're not supposing that you deserve more than you've agreed on, but it says when they received it, they murmured against the landowner saying, these last men have worked only one hour and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. The third thing is you're not to compare yourselves with others. In fact, the Bible says those that compare themselves with one another aren't wise. We need to see it. It's so common among us. And, and the truth is, unless we unlearn, well, many of the things we grew up with, we're going to always do these things. We'll continue to struggle with these things. But comparing ourselves with one another, competing against one another, striving against one another, man, that is just our fleshly, common, you know, natural way of doing things. And so, basically, if you compare, a couple of things are going to happen. If you compare yourself with somebody who's doing poorly, struggling, and you're doing okay, you're going to feel pretty good about yourself. But if you compare yourself with someone who's doing better than you, well, then you're going to feel pretty bad about yourself. But if you don't compare at all, understanding that, listen, you're going to stand before the Lord. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you are serving the Lord. You're serving him at home. You're serving him at work. You're serving him wherever you are. And so when you stand before him, you're either going to hear, well done, good and faithful service, servant, or you're going to hear, what were you doing down there? And uh, I'm hoping, of course, to hear the first, well done. Now, some people are going to be well done, but that's another whole issue. We'll deal with that in a moment. But... But if you realize that all your service is unto the Lord, that wherever you are, whoever you work for, you're representing the Lord and you're to do all things as unto the Lord, well, then you're not going to be comparing your service with other service. And that's what they were doing. They're saying, hey, they only worked an hour. We worked 12 hours. There's no way we don't deserve more than them. And, and of course, the reason that's wrong is they had agreed for a denarius a day. Years ago, decades ago now, I uh, recall a situation where I uh, knew some guys, they were in a band, knew lots of Christian musicians in the early days when I got saved. I was a musician, so I knew a lot of those guys. And, and so anyway, this band had an opportunity to play a rather big concert with a guy named Keith Green. Now, some of you know about Keith Green. He's long since gone to be with the Lord, died in an airplane accident. But, but uh, in any case... The band, and they were friends of mine, they, they agreed for a price and, and pretty much it was the, their minimum. 
And, and lots of bands have this. If you're in a Christian band and, or maybe you're, you know, whatever your thing is, you have a minimum of what you can do. I have no problem with that. People got to feed their family, take care of their responsibilities. I simply pass this on because, because what happened is they said, well, we'll do the gig for so much. Well, at this thing, they took a free will offering and, and the thousands came in, you see. But these guys had agreed for $800 and there was like six of them. So I think they got about 150 bucks each. Keith Green, on the other hand, said, well, I'll just take whatever, you know, the offering is. Said so he has no way of knowing. Might be 50 bucks, might be 5,000 bucks. Well, the way things worked out, because there was a contract with the first group, they got what they contracted for. Keith, on the other hand, well, he got all the rest. And I thought, well, that's kind of neat, Lord. And I was reading this passage back then about that time, and I thought, this is a lot like that. If you agree to something and you get what you agreed to, there's no reason to feel bad or to feel burnt because you got what you agreed to. And if somebody else gets a whole lot more, it seems like, well, they didn't deserve that. They didn't earn that. Well, probably true. You got to know the work was God's grace in the first place. They, these guys didn't have any, you know, thing that they could demand of the owner. They couldn't go say, hey, you have to employ us. No, he chose them. He gave them opportunity. He gave them work. He set a wage with them. And, and so it is as we serve the Lord. It's really all of grace from beginning to end. And I think as servants sometimes, those of us who are serving, we forget. And we think, well, yeah, in the beginning, I, I know it was all grace, but now I've like been faithful for so long that now he sort of owes me. No way. He never will. You see, that'll never happen. God will never be in our debt. Why? Because he has paid for our sin. He, he bought us. We were purchased with the price and it was his shed blood, his, his sacrificial death. He gave his life that we might have life. And when we say, Lord, be my Lord and, and Savior, well, Savior, yeah, we, of course we, we want him to save us, save us from our sins, yeah. But Lord means that now he's master and we're servant. So we do whatever he tells us to do. And we, we don't suppose we deserve anything. You know, there's a point where Jesus says, if you've done everything you were told to do, you should still consider yourself an unfruitful or unfaithful servant. Why? Because the truth is we've never done everything we were told to do. And if you could get to the end of the day and say, that was amazing. I didn't have one evil thought. I didn't have one sinful word. I never had a bad attitude. I did everything the Lord would want me to do. I didn't do anything the Lord wouldn't want me to do. By then you'd be so filled with pride, you'd be sinning again. <laughs> and, and so no matter what, we're going to struggle in these areas. But... But we don't want to suppose that we deserve more. We don't want to compare ourselves with one another because it will always lead to the fourth thing we want to make sure we don't do. And that's criticize and complain or murmur against the Lord. When they had received, verse 11, um, and, and when they who had received it, they murmured, or when they had received it. It doesn't make sense when you don't do verse 10. So verse 10, when they, when they came, they supposed they would receive more, and they likewise received a denarius, and when they had received it, they murmured against the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour. You made them equal, equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. You got to know that when it comes to things spiritual, 
We are equal before the Lord, and we can be grateful for that. And if you're working harder or trying harder or doing more, praying more, reading more, whatever the case might be, just be grateful for the opportunity. Don't compare yourself with others. And, and you never want to be putting yourself in a position where you're criticizing the Lord or complaining against the Lord, murmuring against the Lord. And here's why. Romans 1 says that that ingratitude, that ungrateful spirit, it, it is a rung on the ladder to destruction now, ordinarily, we think of ladders going up. So picture you're in a boat. You want to get out of the boat. There's a ladder. You climb down. That's really what Romans is saying. It's saying that this, there, there is a ladder and it's, it's, a, it's going down. And, and when you are ungrateful for whatever God has done for you or whatever God's doing in you or providing for you, well, what you're doing is you're saying that God's unfair. And isn't that, in fact, what we have said? Well, maybe we don't put his name in it. We're at work. Someone gets the promotion. Someone gets the raise. Somebody gets the, well, the acknowledgement. And, and we put a lot of work in. We didn't get a promotion. We didn't get a raise. We weren't acknowledged. And what's our thought? That's not fair. This isn't right. I deserve better. I deserve more. What are we doing? We're criticizing. We're complaining. We're comparing. We're elevating ourselves. And, and I think lots of times that the Lord allows people to pass us by or allows people to get things that we want just to expose our hearts, just so we can know and so we can be acknowledging that, all right, Lord, I, I get it. I still have some growing to do. I still have some maturing to do. And so we don't want to be murmuring against the Lord. We don't want to be, that's not fair. Why'd they get, or how come, or, well, we, we want to know that Whatever the Lord provides for us is perfect for us. So he answers one of them, verse 13, and says, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. If I wish to give this last man the same as to you, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? You know, whenever we are jealous or envious or ungrateful or comparing or criticizing, we're basically saying the Lord's not just, that the Lord's not fair, that the Lord's not righteous. And so we want to make sure that's, well, if that's a habit, we want to deal with that today. We want to confess that and say, Lord, Last Sunday we'll be together of this year. Let's make this the last day that that's a habit. And if it creeps back in down the road, Lord, forgive me afresh. You know, I don't want to think this way. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be comparing and criticizing and complaining. I don't want to think I'm due more than I'm due. I know it's all grace, Lord. You chose me before the foundation of the world. You've called me and gifted me and you're blessing and using me. And see, that's true for all of us. So we should just be grateful. And, and truly, as he says, hey, can't I do what I want with what's mine? Isn't that lawful? Isn't that right? Isn't that just? Of course it is. Or is your eye evil because I'm good? So the last, and he says it again, the last will be first, and the first last, for many are called, but few chosen. 
he reminds us once again that that things aren't always as they seem. And he is working in us and transforming us and doing things, allowing situations and circumstances that he knows he can use to make us the people he wants us to be. Those people we want to be. People like him, people that can rightly represent him. The Bible equates covetousness with idolatry. It says that covetousness leads to idolatry. Yet when we think of coveting, we tend to think of coveting desires of our flesh or things that God simply doesn't want us to have. Yet we have seen several times just here in the book of Matthew, Jesus's disciples coveting a greater position in the kingdom of heaven. Now, how would that lead to idolatry? Well, when we are jealous of and covet a greater position in ministry, or we are jealous of how God is using somebody else, the object of our worship is no longer Jesus, it becomes ourselves. Desiring to be last, desiring to serve, puts Jesus first, and Jesus can then put us first. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.